Okay, so welcome to Boston Faith and Justice. Let's talk Faith and Justice podcast. That's a little bit of a mouthful with both faith and justice, but there it is. Um, we have been doing this so incredibly long, read a couple months that I don't remember what episode this is, but I'm going to go with seven or eight. Yeah, see, Ivy knows. Um, so we've been really excited just to hear stories from people we've known for a while to meet some new people and just share um, what's going on, what what people are doing, and also just you know, how God's led them to where they are. We're, we're finding it a real blessing to us to hear the stories and we hope that our community is benefiting as well. So today we're really excited to have with us, um, a member of our board and her, I'm going to say roommate friend. I don't know. You guys can clarify all of that. Um, but, um, Dira is someone who's been connected with BFJN for a while and I'll let her introduce and tell her own story a little bit, but I just want to, um, say how grateful I am in general for the ways in which Dira has enhanced Boston faith and justice with her passion, her insight, and her knowledge. So I'm also really grateful that she's taking the time to have this conversation with us. So welcome Dira and Saranya, and let's get started. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So thankful to have you both here with us today. If you can just introduce yourselves and tell us, we have a little icebreaker question that we've been throwing around for the last couple episodes of what posters you had on your wall as a child and why, or growing up. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, do you want to know? (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. I was a poster queen. So I had tons of posters. It really depends on the age uh, in middle school, I had Leonardo DiCaprio because <laughs> I was in love with him. <laughs> so I had tons of Leonardo DiCaprio. And then in high school, I kind of moved away from that into like a hip hop phase. Mm. So that I had like LL Cool J. And then I think I even had like a basketball player, maybe Paul Pierce or something. I was like, I had um, like a collage <laughs> of like hip hop artists um, on my wall. Those are my posters, but specifically the LL Cool J that I wrote a little bubble. I put in a little bubble that says, I love you, dear. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And what about you, Saranya? So yeah, my name is Saranya and... I feel like I I must have had multiple posters, but the one that I distinctly remember is like the Lord of the Rings poster when the <laughs> movies first came out. So yeah, I was really into Legolas um, or Orlando Bloom at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of a Lord of the Rings nerd. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love it. That's yeah, that's very interesting. We ended up with some people who didn't have any posters at all. We had to sort of shift, but multiple posters too. I like that because it kind of tells your story, right? Like over the course of y- youth and childhood and teenage years. And yeah, it's fun to look back. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a fun question. That's a fun question. Yeah, it was a credit to a professor of mine um, who used it in the class of like 60 people, but it was fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, love, respect to Lord of the Rings. That's a favorite of mine as well. <laughs> Um, also Legolas. So yes. Um, all right. Transitioning from the fun things our posters reveal about us to other things to reveal about you guys. So, um, we've invited you here for this conversation to talk a little bit about, um, housing generally housing justice, um, but also specifically your story and your, your experiences with housing in Boston. Um, and so just kind of giving you that open space, tell us, tell us your story. And um, and maybe how it connects to some of those wider issues of housing justice. 
Mm-hmm. So we, we, we've shared our story a few times now, and I was really excited to, to come on here and to share my story because it was, I think because I've shared, we've shared it a few times. I felt like it was an important story to share. Um, but I think, I guess I feel like we could start by maybe just sharing a little bit about our personal journeys in terms of home ownership, because that's kind of what ultimately led us here into, into co-owning, right? So we're friends and housemates, but we're also co-owners, um, which in a very like not traditional way, where like you own with a friend and it's not like a family or a spouse or something like that. So um, I think for me and my personal journey of home ownership, um, it's been, it's been quite a few years since I had decided, I think maybe it was 2017 where I was like, okay, I want to I want to own a home. Prior to that, I, I don't think that I saw that as um, something that a goal that I could achieve. But I've and not in my own home, my mom never owned a home. She still doesn't. So it's not something that I thought was going to be in my story um, as part of my life journey. But at that that time, I decided I was in a church community that did a lot of uh, intentional living and community, and I was a part of that and benefited from that a lot. And that really sparked something in me. Uh, like, okay, I think I want to own a home with a purpose. Um, mm-hmm. That's what really motivated me. Because other than that, I'm like, I'm fine just being a renter. Um, and then learning more just about the wealth gap and how a lot of it is tied into, you know, home ownership. And so then those are the things that kind of really sparked me to want to then also to own a home. Um, and then and then also do something different that my family or my mom had not done, right? She hadn't owned. And I want to be the first person in my, my immediate family to, to own um, and hopefully set a precedent. And so so for me, those are the things that kind of sparked that desire to be on this journey of homeownership. Um, however, the process, I realized, <laughs> became a little difficult, whereas I worked for several years on, you know, getting my credit in order, did all the research, took the classes um, to figure out what it is that I need to do to be prepared for this. And so I did that, got my credit score up tremendously because my credit was terrible. Um, You know, worked on savings, worked with like NACA and a couple of other groups in terms of like just getting myself positioned. And I realized and then I was finally at the place where I'm like, okay, I have awesome credit score. I have savings. I have all my ducks in a row. I, I am ready on paper. But then when I went time to go find a home or to purchase, I realized, especially in Boston, because I specifically wanted to be here because mm-hmm. this is my home. This is where I grew up. This is where I was raised. This is where my family's from. Um, and I realized I couldn't. I couldn't afford anything. And this is even then. I, and it's, you know, the housing market's gone up since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't afford anything as like a single person. But on paper, I should be able to. Um, and so then I started to realize that there were a lot of other barriers and that it wasn't just that I needed to get all my ducks in a row because I did that and I still can't afford to live in the city that I grew up in and that I desire to live in. Um, so that was a part of my journey and I was really discouraged. I started to feel very discouraged um, and sad, really angry and sad that I was seeing other folks who are within the community that I know, um, specifically white folks who are not from this community, who are able to say, I want to buy here. And they were able to do it. And I could not. Um, And I felt frustrated and I I felt a little lost as to how am I going to do this? And I felt like I'm never going to be able to do this. And it really made me sad. And I think that's how, you know, 
through advice from our community and some friends, we were able to, to connect on how do we make this happen for ourselves? And so I'll let Sharanya kind of share her story because that's how we kind of mm-hmm. came together on this journey. But yeah, no, that's good. Um, yeah, I'd say for me, I've always wanted to own a home. Like even in my 20s, I had been talking about it. Um, I think I saw in a lot of people's lives, like how home, like owning property can bring a lot of leverage in different ways in people's lives. And so like wanting the benefit of that and the different types of things that it it brings, not only responsibility, but a lot of flexibility, um, the ability to host and like a lot of life happens in homes. And so wanting to be able to have that for myself, um, I've always lived in community um, and have really valued that. And so it was something that I also was looking for um, in terms of home ownership of like, oh, how can I share my space with other people um, and have that be a blessing to everyone? Um, and then living in Boston, I've lived in Boston or in Dorchester specifically for eight years now. And like knowing a lot of other single people who you know, are renting, sharing um, rental space with one another, but not being able to get to the next step. And so when I was thinking about, oh, I would really like to have um, a space of my own to be able to kind of cultivate the kinds of communities that I've experienced and lived in before and want, um, how do I do that as a single person? And that's really difficult to do here in Boston. I don't know that I've like had heard of many stories of people doing that prior, like single people doing that. And then it was actually through a friend of ours who had just thrown out the idea. Why don't you guys seem like you have a similar vision for home ownership of being able to share in community with people? Um, Would you ever think about doing that together. And so it kind of like put the plan to the seed or sparked the idea. And I think we started having conversations about it. I think I was open to the idea. I'd never really heard of anyone doing that before, but um, that's kind of like where that, that, that idea or that thought first came to be Mm -hmm. through our friend Carla. Okay. That's, that's really cool to think that as you guys were both like kind of going along your own journeys, someone who knew you both saw you and were, was like, this could be a fit. Um, that's just a beautiful um, piece of community right there. Um, but just thinking about like practically then what, what happened? Like I'm, I'm interested, mm-hmm. I mean, just generally in, in your, your story specifically, but like also, because like you're saying, this isn't a model that I'm really familiar with. Like, I'm just c- c- interested in like the practical yeah. whether barriers yeah. or, or paths that you took to, to, um, you know, find and then purchase a home together, both like again on that level, but then also how you navigated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had like enormous, enormous amounts of help. So I think one thing that was like extraordinarily beneficial for us was being connected to a large community here in Boston. And so, you know, our friend Carla and um, the Traction Network, which Dara mm-hmm. was a part of, mm-hmm. was a huge help to us in like really being our like emotional support um, system and being able to like talk with us about some of the different challenges that we were experiencing along in, in the process. 
Um, we also connected with people who had done this before. You know, we're not the first um, to own property together. So there have been some people um, in like the like couple of generations, like like above ours, who had purchased property as couples together with other couples. And so being able to learn from them about, you know, how has it worked for you? What are some best practices? Like, how do you like, you know, work through different challenges in owning property together? So we did a lot of learning and we did that for like about a year, actually, like basically meeting with tons of people, asking questions, um, we were discipled by some friends of ours who own like a, a community house. Um, and they just asked us really practical questions about how do you live with other people? You know, what, what are your pet peeves and how do you manage your finances? And so we had to be really vulnerable about sharing those things with each other. And I think that was like a really good, um, way of preparing ourselves for home ownership because you actually do have to share those things. It's yeah, like being vulnerable about how you're doing financially or emotionally or mentally. It's like um, you know, it's there's it's a weighty thing. Um, but it's also really great to be able to partner and share that with other people. So there was like a lot of I think preparation that we took along the way. Um, people telling us that we should have a business agreement. And that was like one big thing of like, how do you make sure that when conflict does happen and you don't agree that you have a process for being able to work through that um, and some kind of like um, protocols that you put in place to make sure that your friendship is intact and that you're, you're you know, this is essentially like a, a business agreement. So like, how do you make sure that that stays intact? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, we just got a, a bunch of advice from from different people about how to do it. Um, and we're doing it in along the way. Yeah. And I think we, you know, there were some some uh folks who were who had a similar some Ryan's friends who had a similar setup, couples, and then they had a business agreement template that they shared with us, and we were able to go off of that to create our agreement and have like uh, you know, a lawyer take a look at that. Uh, so that was some of the practical things that we've done. And then and just even along the way, we were looking at our, you know, our finances, where we were, where were our credit. We were, mm-hmm. we were connected with a realtor through one of our other friends who had a close relationship with the realtor from she had just purchased. Um, and so we together walked through with him through, you know, where do we need to be financially? And and it's it, and again, it is a vulnerable thing because we're sharing, we're friends, but we're also now sharing. Mm-hmm. Our finances, this is what we have in our account. Like this is our credit, you know. So we had to make sure that we were we. I think we were both well positioned at the time because yeah. we are were already working on that individually. Exactly. Um, but now kind of combining that collectively to see like what is our buying power? Mm-hmm. How much do we have together? How much do we have in our savings? Um, working with our realtor and friends um, to make sure that we understood the process, right? Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of learning that we yeah, needed we to do, know. you know, that we didn't know. Um, so we spent a year doing that before we even started looking what? or signing mm-hmm. up for pre-approval. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really appreciate, um, you know, your authenticity 
authenticity and just being transparent with us and sharing that story and just your vulnerability in the process. Because as you were, you know, answering Elizabeth's question about the practicality, you know, there's so many other things that go into it other than just finances. Like you said, you know, our emotional state, our mental state, how we handle different things, even like pet peeves, you know, that's not something that I was originally thinking of, you know, when we started this conversation. And so, you know, I just think about God's divine timing and that both of you, you know, were planning individually to do something and it wasn't able to happen. But knowing that, you know, God's delay is not God's denial and that he still allowed for you all to purchase a home and to be together and, you know, to share with us in the larger community of how you were able to make that happen. Um, so I just appreciate the opportunity to hear you all's story. And I know Saranya mentioned being discipled um, by others. So can you talk about how your faith impacts your ideas and your actions in this story? Yeah, I think interestingly enough, we we met at a housing justice, like a housing crisis forum. That's how we became friends <laughs> um, that um, EGC actually was putting on. I mean, Emmanuel Gospel Center, um, they had this housing crisis. I worked in housing and then Sarania had an interest and um, she was connected to the agency. So we actually met there, which was interesting because that was like the inception of our friendship. But um, I think for me, like my faith, um, like I, I, for me, what I said, I wanted to own with the purpose, right? Is it because I felt that, I, I felt that, if I'm going to own a home, it's not one. Yes, it's going to be so that I can have hopefully be able to also have wealth like everyone else who owns a home. But that wasn't really the primary thing. Right. Um, uh, I think for me, I felt that I wanted to if if I was able to have a home and God was able to bless me in this way, make a way for me. I wanted to use this home as a blessing for others. Um, because I, like I mentioned earlier, I was, I lived in intentional communities where people made space in their homes that they owned at a cost that was affordable that then allowed me like the safety and the security and just the space to be able to figure myself out, to be able to work on the things that I needed to work to achieve my goals. One of them being home ownership, um, and realizing how important and crucial that was for me at that time to flourish as an individual, um, and in community. And so I, I felt like I wanted to attach a purpose of then being able to pay that forward for others as well. And I felt that that was a vision from God to be, to own for with this purpose in mind and not just the purpose of, um, being able to have an asset, right? Those are things that do, I do value. I'm not minimizing that. I value that. I think that's important, especially as a person of color. But that wasn't my primary focus when I decided to buy a home. I really felt like, God, all the things that I do, I want to be, I have a purpose and to be for your kingdom. And I, I see housing justice as kingdom work. Mm -hmm. I see making space for others, especially people of color, um, that they can have us uh, because, you know, like home is our primary space. It's where we learn about ourselves It's where we grow. It's where, you know, if we have security and stability, we're able to flourish, you know, but when we're insecure and, and unstable, then we're not able to focus on the, all the things that God wants us to do because we're trying to figure out how we're going to live, how we're going to survive, you know? And so to me, that felt like 
This is an act of God. And this is a, owning in the community that I'm almost being pushed out of is an act of resistance against gentrification. And I, I feel that as like, I feel that like that is an act of justice and it's kingdom work. And I want to, and I wanted to do that. So that's, that was my like connection with my, my faith, you know? Mm. Yeah. There's so many different gems that I feel like you, you know, had dropped. And one of the things that I think, you know, Saranya had mentioned earlier is that life happens in home, you know, and just using your experience and the things that benefited you and your upbringing and, you know, experiencing housing um, and wanting to put that forward. Um, Saranya, I'm not sure if anything, you know, that you may want to share. I just want to give you the space to answer that question as well, if you would like. Yeah, I think the intersection of my faith is like in many, many ways. Um, I think one thing I think about often when I think about home is hospitality and like, you know, having experienced like such generous, loving hospitality where it's like, oh man, when I enter into the space, I really feel welcomed. I feel wanted. I feel seen um, and valued as a person. And so wanting to recreate that in our home and also like from a piece of housing justice of like wanting to do that for people of color where it's like there's like so many things I feel like we have to hide out in the world um of like who we are our culture like there's like aspects of who we are that you know wanting to be able to have a home in which people could really express that freely um and to do so in neighborhoods that are rapidly gentrifying also is like another piece of like, how do you, um, yeah, contribute to making sure that people can have a space and and make space for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I just was like writing some of the notes of what you guys said. Like, I just was really challenged or encouraged or both thinking about like the way you're talking about, like the fundamental nature of a home, um, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if it's something I really sat down to consider too much, but like how important that is, um, both from that practical level, which I think, you know, I have considered, you know, like this is a, this is the primary way Americans build wealth. Right. And there's a lot of ways in which that has, there has been injustices surrounding who gets to do that and who doesn't. And then, but this other piece of like how a home is a place of safety, a place of refuge, a place of hospitality. Um, so I just think you guys have brought those two together for our consideration really well. So thank you for that. Um, and just thinking about kind of this larger issue, which again, you've brought in because it's part of your story, um, whether it's discrimination, gentrification, these other ideas, but other, other ways that, um, you've seen like your story, your experiences or the experiences in, um, the communities that you've been a part of connecting to the larger issue of housing justice or injustice, um, that you'd want to name. Um, I think I think I kind of referenced it a little bit earlier, but I think is like, again, when we st- actually got the pre-approval and we started looking and there, are, you know, I was witnessing people in my life who I love dearly, you know, you know, some of my dear white friends who are they're like, I'm going to buy. And they're like literally two months later buying. And Sarani and I have been in this process for a long time and we could not, you know, it's like, oh, my dad gave me $90,000. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. You know, and I, it, the blow that I felt, you know, and on one end, I'm like, I want to be happy for them. They're my friend. But on the other end, I'm angry because 
I don't have that same leverage. And it felt like we had to jump through hoops to be able to just purchase a house. And then there's my, you know, white counterparts who are able to just make the decision and do it within a short amount of time. And we've had to like, I mean, literally we had everybody supporting us. We had to get this and we had to get that. We had to get that. It just felt like so much work to be able just to purchase one home. And there was a part of me that felt that's not fair. You know, I felt that that's, I don't have that kind of leverage, you know? Um, and thankfully for us, we had the, like we had the community that we can pull from to help us, you know, leverage some of that, but it felt hard, uh, even with all the support that we had to actually be able to buy. Um, and so that's a part of like, in, that I felt was not just, you know? And so, and so that, I mean, yeah, I'll let you jump in there, but that felt hard for me. And, um, I couldn't disconnect that from just like the larger issue of, you know, race and justice and housing injustice and, and gentrification that I just felt like more and more people can come into the community and purchase. And I, who've been here and is a native and love this community, cannot do it, you know, um, and, and that it had to be this hard. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I feel like there's like so many things I could say about this, but I feel like I'm learning more and more about this. Like even as we're like in, you know, it's been like a year, a little over a year, year and a half, maybe at this point that we've owned together. And so um, it's like, even as like now we own a home, but that doesn't still, that doesn't necessarily change some of the, like some of the obstacles or, or challenges that we face now as homeowners um, or even like hearing stories about other people who, who who have like lived in Boston their whole lives and are no longer able to like afford to live here. And so people are constantly reaching out to us and sharing their stories as well. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're two people. Um, and there's like so much that I know that we would desire to do, but what would it look like for an entire community of Christians um, who are very conscious and intentional about this to maybe partner together and thinking about how we can address some of these things that we know are happening to individuals that we know of. And so I think that's where my mind is at these days of like, oh man, like it, you know, just owning a home doesn't necessarily change um, some of the larger issues that are at play. I mean, I think we can u- use our home and leverage our home, but there's so much more work that needs to be done in order to make sure that other people don't have mm-hmm. to have some of the experiences that we're we're hearing about and that we that we know of and have experienced. Yeah, that's great. And thank you for naming that. And again, like being able to hear your story, I think is just so helpful. Um, again, for people who are early on in the learning journey around housing justice to to really be able to see kind of through your process like so much of the injustice so i just i appreciate your willingness to share that and and give us that window and and allow us to give the community that window but just thinking about um what you just said Sarani, like wanting to how can we connect this and and bring people together or just how that's a desire um you know, at Boston Faith and Justice, that's something we're trying to figure out too. Like, how can we bring resources, connect people with organizations? So are there any particular resources or organizations? I know you mentioned Traction, and we'll definitely make sure we share um, information about how to support Traction. Um, But anywhere else that people can look to either become engaged or become educated or both? I don't know. 
I'm not sure. I can't think off the top of my head if I know any direct resources because I think for us, our primary resource was our community, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think our community were, were, you know, were the ones that connected us with like real estate agents that connected us with like that told us about different resources. Like we, you know, if we're able to find out about like some of the resources that the uh, city of Boston has, right? The, in terms of like if you live here, there's like home, first home, um, first time home buyers. Um, different like programs that they offer and they were able to look into those resources and we were able to do some research there. But I think our community was a one, or were the ones that connected us to, you know, different resources or really just kind of was our resource, you know, throughout the way. So um, I can't think of anything on, t- on the top of my head right now um, because that was our process. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for individuals, it's, it's hard because if you don't have the kind of community, I recognize that even that in of itself is like a privilege is mm-hmm. like the kind of community that we had mm-hmm. and have still supporting us. Um, but not everyone has that. And so like how do you make resources like this available to people who may not have the direct connections like we did um, is a question to be thinking about. And I think traction is like working mm-hmm. on that and they're, they're currently um, I think about to start. So we were part of a housing justice cohort, cohort okay. um, where we were talking about these types of things with a group of people and being able to get, you know, support um, through the group. Um, and so I think they are actually piloting another um, housing justice cohort, but with some specific churches, um, so that churches can be like the support for the individuals. Um, I think part of that too, will be gathering resources, like Mm -hmm. putting together like a list of resources or different ways that people can, um, you know, get assistance that they need, um, or support. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's, I think in the works and and we're both going to be a part of that as, as mentors, since we've already gone through the journey (laughs) and like now we're going to be, you know, kind of paying it forward and supporting others who are starting their process of homeownership. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I think there's a fund that you can donate to. So it'll be for people who are also intending to, you know, but be homeowners for the first time to have some kind of funding that goes to support their home ownership journey um, through, through the ch- traction network, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think, the first time that they're doing that. Like yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, we'll definitely be sure to share about traction um, along with this podcast and in and around as we talk about housing justice. Cause yeah, I think their work is unique and obviously really important. Yeah. And then they're expanding this like housing justice, like portion of it, which is exciting. Um, and like home ownership. So mm-hmm. we're excited about that. Um, I think I wanted to say, like, I don't know if you mentioned it already, but I know when last time we had this talk, you had mentioned specifically around like, you know, we had gotten a lot of support, you know, emotionally, but also financially, right. From our community, um, and we, and I know last time you felt that it was important in terms of people really considering like, how do they invest in others? And it's not just about proximity, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the person. And so because right. I know you, then I think I can invest in you, right. but how do people consider exactly. doing that? Even if they don't, they don't know you, but they care about the issue. Mm-hmm. The, there was something like that you had mentioned. Did, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you, I wasn't sure if that was something yeah, you mentioned. Absolutely. Okay. I okay. totally forgot about that, but okay. I think that is really important. <laughs> 
I guess to me, it's like, it's, I think from what I remember from what's because this was like a point that Sarani had mentioned last time and it was very important is that, you know, especially for us believers, like not like this is a pressing issue for God, right? It's not just mm-hmm. that, you know, and it's not just about people that you know, right? And so like, if you consider this as a, a an issue that God cares about and it's a mm-hmm. urgent and pressing issue for God, it should be an urgent and pressing issue for us. And we don't necessarily need to know the person personally, right? Because I know it's hard for people sometimes to invest in things that like, I don't know the person and I don't know that, you know, but you know, yeah, for us, we've had those relationships and people are invested in us in that way. But what about, like she was saying, what about the people who don't, you know, have that connection? Are they still not deserving of the support? And do you not still care about their well-being and flourishing and their ability to, you know, own a home? And so how do we, like, encourage people and really press them and uh, and kind of challenge them in that area of, yeah, you know, it's not just about who you know and proximity. And I know, and I think there's some importance to proximity when you're learning about like these issues, right? But I do think that if it's you care about the larger issue, you should be willing to invest in it. And so I think that that was one other thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, it's like, it's like a, a thing where it's like, okay, yeah, individuals do need some level of support, not just financially. And so I think that's why what Traction is doing is so great because they have mm-hmm. like the church coming up and and the the cohort coming up around people who are interested in home ownership. But I think to give financially, you don't necessarily have to like have that direct relationship with the person. It's like if you can trust that um, people who are in this process are, you know, going through like doing exactly what we did. It's working on our credit, working on our savings, like making sure that we've had some of these types of conversations to to be prepared. Um, You know, we're just two ordinary people like anybody else wanting to own a home. So anyone should be able to receive this kind of support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that, uh, that the primary resource is community, you know, and we often think about resources in terms of finances or, you know, organizations or, you know, trainings and things that can help us in that process but also just knowing somebody else. And I think about, you know, the population of young people that I work with, you know, that are, have, you know, touched the criminal justice system or those that may be struggling with addiction or um, folks with a disability, how, you know, removed sometimes they are from society from our, because of our views or our beliefs or what have you. And if they don't have, you know, that community that's around them. And so I really just appreciate you highlighting that importance because, you know, community is a resource and we are to, you know, love our neighbors. And that, like you said, that proximity of like, yeah, my neighbor who lives next door, but also my neighbor, you know, who is unsheltered and I may be driving by on my way to work or what have you. Um, And so this conversation has just really encouraged me because I, you know, within the past few years have also become a homeowner and recognizing, you know, like the differences in my financial background and my fiance's were, you know, very different and the privileges that I had um, as well and how that plays into it. But housing and housing justice is something that's always in the forefront of my mind, especially as I work with um, youth in the city of Boston. And I have also 
you know, felt as though if God did this for me, that he can allow me to do that with purpose for other, you know, young men that are struggling or, you know, whatever their circumstances may be. And so I just really appreciate this conversation. So thank you both for everything that you shared. Thank you, Ivy, for sharing that. I do have one more point that just came to mind. So, because, you know, we talked about the journey of like home ownership and, you know, building wealth and, and making space in homes and things like that. One of the other things on the other end now that we're now that we do own a home is, you know, we share our space. Right. Um, so we do have folks who live with us and we do share it at an affordable cost. Right. So, so that's one thing, you know, so that's the other thing. Right. So there's like people who own home who have space in their home. Um, who are renting, or maybe they have units to rent, but we know that they're not affordable, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so that's, another, that was something that was very important to us, right? You know, it is a sacrifice, of course, right? But one that we're willing to make for the sake of others, right? So, you know, who may need space, and we know that rent is expensive. So there's, that's one. But then two, one of the other things, I went to a meeting recently, because you guys know, I work for housing, and I went to a community meeting in Chelsea, where I work, um, was like residents and it's about fair housing. But one of the things that I realized a lot of the tenants were talking about, but also we have discussed, right. And even in our own space, um, is that having housing is one thing, having quality housing is another thing. And one of the things that we always Absolutely. were aligned on when we became, uh, when we were talking about being landlords or, um, or even having people in our space was that it was extremely important for us to have quality housing. Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure that the space is a space where people are living comfortably, that it's 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 not a hazard to their health, you know, and things like that. Um, to be good landlords is really important because there are people who are housed, but it's not quality housing. And at this meeting that I was at just yesterday, um, you can hear the stories of people who are living in deplorable conditions because the landlords can, you know, and they're not being held accountable for that. And so that's something else to consider. So it's, um, that's on the flip on the other end, right? Or now on this side of the, of our journey as landlords, that's something that also matters, right? And we see that happen all the time, um, where there's a lack of quality housing. So it was very important for us to make sure that we do whatever we can to make sure that the people who are in this house, um, experience quality housing, um, and I think we didn't actually get a, a chance to share our vision, really, because our home has a name called Peaceful Dwellings. <laughs> so awesome. And part of that is like when we we were praying about our house is that we wanted to be the best landlords we could be, offer quality housing, offer rent that was reasonable because we want people to be able to flourish and thrive. And we want them to be able to succeed in whatever it is that they're hoping to do in their lives, whether they're going to own a home or whatever. It doesn't, you know, that's up to them what their goals are, but they have the space to do that. They're not have to worry about financial, like financially, I can't afford to live here. What am I going to do? Um, and then also one of our other visions is that, you know, whoever comes into the house, whether they're living here, whether they're guests, um, whether they're here short term, long term, that they get a sense of like peace. That there's a, this is a space where they can connect, they can feel community, they can come and cry, they can share their burdens, they can share their joys. That mm-hmm. is what we wanted this home to be for our our home, but also for our neighbors. You know, um, who are next door, right? We have homeowners next door, we have renters next door, and so we're right in Codman Square. Um, and so for our community, so how do we flourish? How do we, how do we, as like homeowners who have a stake in this community now, how do we make that happen in our home and outside? So I think that was a piece that was important too. So it's not just a matter of like getting the house, 
but it was a matter of then what do we do with it and how do we make it quality for our like our tenants people who come in here and, and our community like how do we invest now like we will always invest in our community but how do we now we're in this area we have these neighbors how do we connect with them and things like that so those are things that also felt important to us I don't know yeah. if I missed anything there <laughs> okay thanks for sharing that yeah thank you that's what a beautiful vision and just like you said the way to use your resources to for the flourishing of others I mean you said it best like that's just such a it's such a Christ-like way to live. And I think also a unique way. I think a lot of us aren't, haven't caught on to that vision of how can I use my resources, including my house, including whatever it is that I've been blessed with to, um, to support the, the flourishing of where I am and, um, the people that God's put in my life. So thank you for that vision and that challenge. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything that we haven't covered that you want to add. No, I think that was, yeah, I think that was, that was the last point I wanted to just to make just because again, it was so sad yesterday to hear people who were not living in quality housing. Mm-hmm. And it just made me realize, okay, it is important to be a good landlord. It's important to make sure that people are living in quality housing. So that's, that's my next fight. <laughs> yes, I love it. It's another fight. It's another fight. Top <laughs> of all the other fights. <laughs> There's a lot of fights to be fought and um, it's awesome that you're there doing that. Um, Yeah. So again, I just, I've been really encouraged and challenged by what you guys have shared and so appreciate you telling a little bit of your story and also just your knowledge and your experience and your passion for this issue. I think that that really came through and um, I feel like we've all learned a lot and also been kind of pushed in a good direction. So thank you so much for your time and just for doing what you do and, um, you know, being where you are and, um, having that vision. I think that's just so beautiful. Thank you. And thank you guys for, you know, um, taking the time to listen to our story and sharing it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs>